0: Hello, this is a free call from... Jen. An inmate at... San Diego Central Jail. This call is being recorded. You may start the conversation now.
1: Hello.
2: Hello. Hello. I don't know nobody but you. I just want to get out of jail right now. Now, now.
1: A favor?
3: What? Can you
2: bail me
4: out? Because I want to be here. I know, I'm
3: trying. James Gary, uh, well, when I met him, was 19 years old. He ended up making some uh, calls from jail, um, which are all recorded. All jail calls are recorded. And he was calling several young women that he knew, girlfriends of his. He was 19 years old, and these girls were 15 and 16. trying to convince uh, these young women to get money together for him to be able to post bail.
5: Hey, I'm about to make How do
2: you do that? You go know, on, you know, Craigslist, the back page and you take some cute little pictures and you deleted all those young pictures, though. Like, you know, wanted to make you
0: look Yeah, they gay. Okay.
2: All right, baby. I'll
0: send the picture
2: to my sister. Come on, baby, it's Starbucks, handling business. You feel me? I'm sending you somewhere where the well ain't dry, my n- So you, you know, just be good with that mouthpiece and don't put my mother n- lips on nobody.
6: Why I do that?
2: Unless you said, all right, if, if that's what you got to do, you got to kiss me, get me out,
6: Has there ever been a time where you made a decision in a relationship that, you know, you didn't think you would ever do, but you did it because you cared about that person or you loved that person? love, you.
2: Right, love you too.
6: Or you made a decision out of a space of fear.
2: When I get back, I'm going to have some day. If not, I'm taking the phone.
6: You chose to make this decision because you were worried about what might happen to you or it might happen to other people, but you compromised your values in some way, shape, or form because you were motivated by the fear of your own personal safety or others. I had a I call it psychological kidnap. There is no one thing that isolates you or insulates you from experiencing trafficking. Anyone can experience human trafficking.
7: For more than a year, we've been investigating the complicated issue of the sex trafficking of children in San Diego. We've reviewed hundreds of records,
8: talked with survivors. My exploitation started at 12.
9: 17, yeah, she was 17 years old. I'm not gonna quit, I'm not giving up on my daughter.
7: We've heard from traffickers.
9: I heard that you
2: make a uh make an email, and then you go on, you know, Craigslist, with the back page, and you take some cute little pictures.
7: We're taking you into a dark underworld that operates in broad daylight.
3: Here was a 74-year-old man who was having sex with uh, with minors, who had success in the corporate America. He got a get-out-of-jail-free card.
10: There is no such thing as child prostitution. What you are buying is child rape.
4: It is a violent it has.
10: But there is hope.
7: ...and showing you how we all can be part of the solution. This is Stolen. It's in a sex trafficking investigation... ...into sex trafficking... ...face of human trafficking. You've seen it in the news... Oh my God, they got Amanda! ...in movies... They're going to take you. But what's happening here, what we're talking about, doesn't look like this. (laughs)
8: Think about your daughter or your sister or somebody that, or your brother, this is happening to both girls and boys. You don't have to be physically held. You don't have to be physically um, constrained. It is all a mental manipulation. It's a mental brainwashing that takes place. This is one of the most horrific injustice we have in our communities right now. Uh, My exploitation, started at 12, so it started really, really young. Uh, the grooming process where the trafficker begins to gain the trust of the victim started before that. So it took about four or five years. It's not the a stranger danger kind of situation. It's usually somebody that is close to the, to the youth and that has direct access to them.
11: Why don't we start telling our kids the truth about that 80% of the harms that are gonna come to them are not gonna be from a stranger who pulls them off on the streets. It's gonna be from someone trying to befriend them or someone who is posing as a friend or a family or a coach or a teacher that comes in and tries to exploit them. Why do you think we have such a problem here? It is, unfortunately, a very easy crime to perpetrate. Um, It involves human deception, human exploitation, and it can take on any form. Drugs are the first criminal industry, everywhere in the world and right here in San Diego. Second is the selling and buying of human beings for purpose of profit. That's human trafficking.
6: When they hear human trafficking, they think of, you know, someone coming over in a shipping container in the middle of the night, or a young girl kidnapped off of the streets. Here in San Diego, it's our neighbors trafficking our neighbors. It's our middle schoolers trafficking our middle schoolers. It's not out there, away from us,
7: across the border. It's our own girls and our own
6: boys Mm -hmm. from our own
7: neighborhoods.
12: We do have the the border. to our south and that's not where, where we see a, a large majority of our victims coming from. The, these The large majority are citizens. Um, they live here in San Diego. Um, they're the ones that are being bought, they're the ones being sold, they're the ones being recruited.
6: People don't have an awareness of what
7: the issue looks like because it kind of hides in plain sight human trafficking is the commercial exploitation or selling of a person for sex or labor and often by force fraud or coercion by california law anyone under 18 who has sex for money is considered a victim of sex trafficking
10: there is no such thing as child prostitution what you are buying is child rape the target the target rich
11: victim is a teenager And that's why the average age in San Diego County, when somebody is first lured into sex trafficking is 16.
7: How old was she when she met this man?
9: 17. Yeah, she was 17 years old. The guy was like nine years older than her. She is the type of person that would just You know always just care about others and you know to the point where like it's almost like hurts herself
7: this single dad never thought he'd be part of this story he asked us to disguise his identity because he fears for his family's safety he says the trouble started at his daughter's first job in high school
9: she got a job at a at a local like hamburger joint what i didn't know is that when she was working there there was going to be a predator there who was actually out there to to boyfriend these young women, and unfortunately my daughter got caught up in that. It's not something that happens where it's some dramatic, I'm gonna just snatch the kid and take him away kind of a thing. No, like it happens like slowly over time. I would say a year and a half had gone by because at this point she ended up leaving the house. Well, my ex-wife basically like said, hey, I found pictures of, you know, our daughter, your daughter on, you know, this, this sex site. You know, and she was telling, you know, she told me basically what she discovered. I was just like, like closed off, just thinking on how I could rescue my daughter.
7: Now, two years later, his daughter is an adult and she's still in a relationship with her alleged trafficker.
9: You are basically in a riptide Like, I'm, I'm over here. I see you in a riptide. The only thing that I'm thinking is how am I gonna get my daughter out of this riptide? Am I gonna get a jet ski, a boat? Am I gonna just paddle on my surfboard and get you? Like, I don't know. And you're just like, you don't know what to do, you're stuck, you're scared, you don't know what to do. She's getting like taken out to the ocean.
11: I call it psychological kidnap. That is what they use. That's the simplest way to think about it. They're not kidnapping the person, the body. They're kidnapping their mind so the person believes that they're going along voluntarily when they're really not. They never had a chance.
7: Psychological kidnap held hostage in your own mind, trapped but unaware you've been tricked. Our
6: brain isn't fully formed or developed until we're 25 years old. So let's say a 30-year-old perpetrator who is manipulating a 16-year-old, it's a completely unfair playing field because she doesn't even have the same cognitive structures that he has. She doesn't have the ability to read and understand the situation appropriately because Her brain is not functioning properly yet.
8: So it begins with love and attention and saying, oh, you deserve so much more. I'm always here for you. Um, And after the trust is built, then things shift.
11: One of the favorite lines is, just this one time. But once that first time happens, they've been transformed. They feel lesser.
8: They feel cheap. They feel like a product to be sold. This is like a cult. It's kind of the same mindset where they are brainwashing you to think that there's no way out. I did not feel I could get out. He had uh, told me that there was people that didn't care about me. There was nobody that I could trust. I didn't know there was a way out. We often refer to it as trauma bonding.
6: Um, some people refer it to it as Stockholm Syndrome, which is kind of the old version of that of that
8: idea. It's the trauma bonding that takes place between a victim and the perpetrator, where there is this uh, love and at the same time hate. And you are confused. You don't want this pain to continue. And yet this person is telling you that they love you. It's a stolen identity. It's a stolen agency.
11: Hello? Hello?
2: I think God loves you, James. Hmm? I think God loves you. Think God loves me? Yeah, I know He does. I just be fing up sometimes. God gotta love me. He kept man. He kept you with me, too. Take it to Him.
6: One of the things that's really common with trauma bonds is that the victimizer will create a space. Where the victim the, and the victimizer move through kind of these three different roles: the victim, the victimizer, and the rescuer. So all, both of them move through all three of those roles, kind of over and over and over again.
2: I care about everything you say, I about how you feel about everything and
1: all that.
6: And as they move through those three roles, it puts the victim in positions where maybe she feels like she has a little bit more power, because she's the victimizer or she's the rescuer.
1: But we
2: can go anywhere. I don't even care. Like I just. I'll leave the country with
6: you. He's sad. He's feeling depressed. He called me because he was suicidal.
2: Yeah, you probably look tougher than me.
1: Aww. I'm gonna cry today. No, 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 no,
6: no. Don't cry. Get me up. He needs me. There's a uniqueness in this relationship that no one else has this connection with him like I do. Hello. Hello.
11: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna bail you out today because, um, Ron, he's supposed to be giving me the money.
3: You know, rarely do you see a situation that's, the dichotomy is so clear, where a young African male goes down and ends up spending 10 plus years in prison, and the wealthy uh, white male gets immunity and gets to walk off scot-free. It's disturbing.
7: In 2016, 19-year-old James Gary was convicted of sex trafficking minors. The primary evidence?
0: Hello, this is a free call from... An inmate at...
7: San Diego Central Jail. Hours of phone calls made from jail to two teenage girls. This call is being recorded. The girls believe James Gary was their boyfriend. Prosecutors say he manipulated them into prostituting themselves online for bail money. Gary also said he knew a wealthy man who paid young girls for sex. I was asking you what put the name on Facebook
1: again. Oh, Ron,
2: and his last name is P-O-S. Ner, he's CEO or something. I don't know.
11: He must be chicken. He got that much money. Chicken on fire the same time.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, he got it. So you feel me? I'm sending you somewhere where the well ain't dry. So you, you know, be good with that mouthpiece.
7: Gary gave the 15 year old detailed instructions on how to get Ron Posner's attention on Facebook. He accepted my thing please he said
2: hi what am i supposed to say so ask him a question about his work or something be like hey, you know like hey what you know what do you do or hey stranger you work for blah blah what do y'all do you know keep it real professional don't sound oh, you know trust me you like girls that look like you
7: are. yeah
2: he's old dude yes, he's really cool yeah he's really really old really 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 old
7: <laughs> at the same time the other girl james gary was talking with from jail was having sex with ron posner for money And James Gary wanted out of jail. Can you bail
2: me out? I
13: know, I'm trying. When was the last time you talked to Ron?
7: Earlier. What were you talking about? Um, he was trying to get my phone. He told me he was going to tell me when he got
2: off. Tell him to hold off on the phone, you need some emergency money.
7: Ten days after Gary was locked up, the 15 year old said the plan with Ron Posner worked. Hello? Uh yeah, I'm a bill yacht today because um Ron he's supposed to be giving me the money. Ron Posner is a successful tech entrepreneur and CEO. He admitted in court he had sex with both teens.
3: He's seventy-four, he's well educated, he's wealthy, but the district attorney decided you know he was more worth protecting than my client.
7: On June tenth, 2016, Ron Posner was given immunity by former San Diego County District Attorney Bonnie Dumanis' office to testify against James Gary. No criminal charges. As we looked into this case more closely, we discovered a hole in our legal system when it comes to prosecuting people who pay children for sex.
3: Ron Posner got off scot-free and got to go home to his beautiful Balboa Park condo and gets to see the planes fly in. And my client gets 10 plus years in prison. He's sitting in a prison cell right now. And that bothers me.
14: Ron speaking. Can I record this on, on the record portion of our talk?
15: Yes, you can.
7: When we started this investigation into the sex trafficking of minors in San Diego, we wanted to find the stories behind the arrests. So our executive producer went to the courthouse to read the case files.
14: I went to every courthouse and I looked through stacks of cases filed for trafficking, pimping and pandering charges in the last five years. And that's when I came across the case against James Gary.
7: And what caught our attention were these recorded jailhouse phone calls. It was a chance to hear a convicted trafficker manipulating young girls into selling themselves online.
14: But the tapes were under seal, meaning that we'd have to get a judge's approval to listen to them and share them with the public. So we filed a request and after weeks of waiting, we got word that our request was approved. We had the
1: tapes. <laughs>
4: Hey,
2: I'm about to make a last page. How do you do that? Well, I'm on a jail phone, but I heard that you make a uh you make an email and then you go on you know Craigslist a back page and you take some cute little pictures you leave a number at the bottom and then people hit you up for massages or you know whatever <laughs> whatever people are into. So I've heard, so I've heard.
7: James Gary was in jail on an assault charge when he began coaching the girls on how to make money. And hey, what would you put
2: up age? Age? 19?
7: I thought
2: so too. My homegirl used to make a lot of money off the fetishes. I don't even know what
7: that is. What'd you say? As we listened to these conversations, there were reminders of just how young these girls were. But in addition to that, there was something else that took us by surprise.
11: I was asking you what was Ron's name on Facebook again?
2: Oh, Ron, and his last name is P O S N E R.
7: Possner? Yeah. James Gary knew of this wealthy older man, and from what we heard in the calls, it appeared he had a reputation for paying young girls for sex.
2: Well, he's a young ass girl, so he already know, you know, he already know how things go down. That's why he's asking, because he knows he can't come over to wherever you at. He asking because he want to know if you gonna come over to his condo or if you gonna get your room.
1: A room.
2: Hello. Yeah, a room. He'll get you a room somewhere. If he well, if you don't got no, if you don't got no girls at the uh, at the house, he'll take you there to show you know, to show to show off.
14: We wanted to know who is Ron Posner. We emailed him, and he agreed to talk with us.
1: Ah, am Ron, Ron speaking.
14: Can I record this on on the record portion of our talk? Yes, you can. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? What what have you your background as far as you know? You you've had a hand in some pretty successful companies. Yeah, I moved
7: to San Diego about seven eight years ago. Two decades earlier, Ron Posner took the top job to run a company that made software you've probably heard of norton antivirus norton
5: antivirus removes that
0: i was ceo of norton computing which
15: is an antivirus software company in los angeles and sold that to Symantec. that was one of the things i did but that was you know 1990 so you know a long
14: time ago and what exactly is your i don't know expertise
15: business management And and mostly technology-related companies, although I have gotten involved with this company in China, which is a
14: prepaid credit card company, not technology company. In 2016, can you kind of just tell me when was the first time you interacted with... Uh,
15: She approached me initially, I think probably on Facebook, and uh, eventually uh, she came over to uh, see me.
14: And when you say get-together, you mean like going out on a date? Yeah, yeah, we, I think, went for coffee or something down in my building.
15: Wanted to get together about once every other week or once a month. I forget exactly how often, but, you know, on a semi-regular basis, she wanted to get together. And again, I knew nothing about this guy in the background. That came out later.
14: Right. Um, and and did you have sex? Uh, a little bit eventually.
8: I was about to cry today. If I couldn't get you out, I was about to cry.
2: Don't cry, just focus.
8: I don't care. I just want you to be here. I'm tired
2: of being down with on. I don't know. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Posner paid the 15 year old girl $500 and she used it to bail James Gary out of jail. Weeks later, prosecutors started listening to these recorded jailhouse phone calls and began a sex trafficking investigation into James Gary. On April 4th, 2016, prosecutors knocked on Ron Posner's door.
15: Come and sit
7: down. What you're listening to is a recording of investigators for the district attorney interviewing Posner for the first time.
16: Let me start out by saying that um, by no means are you under arrest or are you compelled, um, you know, to talk to us or anything like that. I'll have to
17: talk to you if I can help.
16: The individual that I'm investigating um, is a, during my investigation uh, of this individual, I have come across your name. Um... From his lips, from what I understand, these women uh, you have um, hired, per se, um, to be companions of yours. Not really, but go on. And this is this is most of the questions that I ask you. I already know the answers to. Okay, because okay. I've done a lot of research on this okay. case, and I understand a lot of what's going on. Okay, it's not a secret that you enjoy the company of um, young black females and um so that's the reason why i'm here okay so if you could be a little bit more honest with me in regards to your relationships with these two gals that would help out my investigation a great deal okay what would you like to know what has been your relationship with Uh, i've gone out with the movies a couple times okay okay all right and um have you had sex with her yes okay um okay and um, did there was there an exchange of um, payment for spending time with her?
15: No
16: okay. Have you given her cash or presents or anything of that sort I at any time?
15: gave her fifty dollars once
16: when she said she had to pay a rent. okay And that's the extent of the money. I'm thinking that you probably have given her more money than fifty dollars. Well, not much more. It was maybe a 100 but yeah not a lot. okay. And what about, um, uh, you never had sex with her or have you had sex with her? Once. Okay. How much money did you give her at that time? Uh, I think 300.
7: Investigators traced James Gary's $500 bail money back to Ron Posner.
16: So, uh, I think what's happening here is that you're kind of a lucrative, uh, fish per se for them to. To use Mm -hmm. um, in that regard. Right. Um, It could probably be a a mutual thing between, you know, the both of you, meaning that obviously you get their company and they get your cash Mm -hmm. per se. Right. So that's where we're at with that one.
14: Two weeks after this interview, James Gary was arrested and charged with sex trafficking both girls.
3: James Gary was, I was appointed his attorney. It's clear to me that Posner's role in this is much bigger. His, his role is he is one of these predators who goes around and targets young women. Uh, he's 74 years old, dating underage women. Um, and the district attorney interviews him, try to get information about my client, and ends up calling him as a witness uh, at both the preliminary examination and at trial, and gives him an immunity letter. It's clear to me that Posner's role in this is much bigger. His his role is he is one of these predators who goes around and targets young women. Uh, he's 74 years old, dating underage women. Um, and the district attorney interviews him, try to get information about my client, and ends up calling him as a witness uh, at both the preliminary examination and at trial and gives him an immunity letter.
7: That's right. In 2016, Ron Posner received an immunity offer from the San Diego County District Attorney's Office. No criminal charges in exchange for Posner's testimony against James Gary. At the preliminary hearing, Posner admitted to having sex with both teenagers. By the end of the trial, James Gary was convicted of sex trafficking minors. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. From jail, he told us he accepts responsibility for his actions.
18: My uh birth name is James Gary. I'm currently incarcerated. I'm in prison as we speak. I made mistakes, um, poor choices. I had bad judgment. People are gonna call me what they want. You know, I'm not a uh in my heart I don't feel like I'm a trafficker, you know. People people might feel differently. I wish I could. Go and uh change what I did, uh hop in a time machine and fix everything that I've done. I can't. You know, all I can do is recognize, recognize my mistakes, recognize what I've done wrong, and um, be a better man. Correct those mistakes and uh, move forward from there. I don't want to see my young brothers and sisters going through the same thing. You know, it doesn't. It's not a mistake that is over that day. You know, this carries this weight. You carry this weight with you for the rest of your life.
7: Former district attorney Bonnie Dumanis and current D.A. Summer Steffen declined to speak on camera about this case. But here's the thing. The D.A. says the way the law stands right now, you can't charge a sex buyer with a felony unless you can prove the person knew the child was underage before having sex. Without proof, the consequences are minimal, often less than a traffic ticket. And in Posner's
16: case... Do you know how old these gals are? Yeah. Okay. How old are they? Uh, Did you ever ask?
15: Yeah, they said they were 18 and 19.
16: Okay. Um,
15: How old are they? How old did... He was 18 and the other one said 19.
16: Okay. Well, they're both 15. Really? Yes.
15: I didn't realize they were that young.
7: If a crime is thought to be a misdemeanor by prosecutors, the DA's office says an immunity deal like the one given to Posner wouldn't have required the DA's approval. They say in the Gary case, the prosecutor's direct supervisor signed off on the deal. In a previous interview with Summer Steffen, she says when it comes to sex fires, there's a hole in our legal system.
11: Our laws have become stronger when it comes to traffickers. There's real accountability. But unfortunately, the accountability the punishment for buyers is almost
7: non-existent in 2017 stefan and assemblywoman lorena gonzalez tried to increase penalties in california for sex buyers we tried to
11: pass a law to make it at least a minimum two days in jail like we have with duis that failed we're sending a message that this is really a no big deal
2: Bottom, uh either apartment or a car, that's why they're not around
7: so how did James Gary know that Ron Posner was into young girls? the sixteen year old girl on the jailhouse calls said she was having sex for money with Posner months before she met James Gary, and in an interview, the girl gave James Gary's defense team before trial she said. Ron Posner has a lot of girls that he sees, mostly young African-American girls between 15 and 26 years old. Actually, if you're into prostitution, you know or quickly know who Ron Posner is. She said she tried to tell DA investigators about this, but they never returned her calls. After months of questions, the DA's office told us Ron Posner's immunity deal doesn't protect him from future prosecution just that the evidence in the Gary case can't be used against him. We searched court databases and found no criminal charges filed against Posner for sex with minors. We did find a bench warrant for his arrest tied to allegations of tax evasion. We also found a lawsuit filed against Posner by one of the girls in the Gary case. In it, she alleges rape, battery, and emotional distress. In her lawsuit, the teen says her relationship with 74-year-old Posner Lasted until July 2017, months after James Gary was convicted of trafficking. Ron Posner says he's the victim in all of this.
14: Even if you, you know, if you thought that she was 19, you're still much older than her. And I, yeah. I mean, some would still see that as a problem. How do you respond to that? How do you feel about that? What's there to explain?
1: I mean,
15: I don't, know, I don't know what you're asking exactly.
14: Well, I think that some would still see that as predatory behavior.
15: Well, I mean, frankly, it was the other way around. She would tell from the phone calls from Gary and her actions, but you don't know that yourself so much, that she was really, I was really, as I said, a victim. She was really coming after me. I wasn't going after her, per se. I mean, she would frequently show up yeah you know i didn't even sometimes I
10: didn't even invite her over. She
7: knocked on the door. What would you say if Ronald Posner sees himself as a victim, that he was manipulated by young women for money? What would your response to that be?
3: <laughs> be that silly, because he knows. He knows exactly what he was doing.
13: How many years were you in that life? Um, from 20 to, I officially got out fully at 27. So six and a half, about six and a half years on and off.
7: Jamie Johnson is showing us parts of town that house memories that are difficult to relive. She's a sex trafficking survivor, now advocate. Do you think there were a lot of minors out here? Yeah, just a ton of minors. Do you wanna go down to National City?
13: I've come down here to do outreach. I have at least seven that I'm working with at the moment that I have all been um, exploited.
7: I'm curious, you know, they talk about
13: right
19: should, should we just take the, go to the
13: uh, She's not even she cannot be eighteen.
15: Hello, look at your right.
14: Yeah, that's hard. Man. You don't think you think she looks young? She's super young. Do you think she's,
7: she's working, working in this area? Yeah. I mean, for
13: sure. There's like three, four girls down there.
14: They look like they're in high school.
13: Yeah, but well, there's the a police.
14: Patrol car. <laughs> and he's not
13: gonna stop.
19: I'm sure. Would there be a reason for him to stop?
13: I mean, besides the fact that they look about 12 and that they're clear, like, just the fact that he's not trained to even recognize, to stop and just have a conversation with them is ridiculous. Hey, hey,
1: hey, there's three of them
19: now, and they came up to my window. I was sitting in this car
15: about 50 feet behind our undercover vans. It was straight in front of me, uh, where Monica and the team were sitting. Uh, We were watching things going on Roosevelt Avenue
19: in National City when suddenly these two girls walked up to my car, came right up to the car. I'm
1: not
7: interested.
19: And I was amazed
5: how young they were. I mean, they were very, very young.
7: This area of National City, California is known for prostitution. National City Police made more than half of all its arrests for prostitution in this six-block area around Roosevelt Avenue since 2017. The department told us they do train their officers to spot suspected cases of sex trafficking. They have a full-time detective on the San Diego County Human Trafficking Task Force. The girls we saw looked young, but they were gone before we could speak with them.
10: One of the red flags at schools is to
7: notice patterns of attendance. This is an issue nearly every school district in San Diego County is dealing with.
10: All right, good morning everybody.
7: Charisma de los Reyes knows it.
10: My name is Charisma de los Reyes and I am a policy analyst with Child Welfare Services as well as the CSEC program coordinator for the county.
7: CSEC stands for Commercial Sexual Exploitation of Children.
10: We're already embedded in 400 school sites.
7: Charisma's team does everything from identifying cases to connecting survivors with support services.
4: We're trying to provide choices and options for them and empower them to choose
7: where do they want to take their journey next. Marsha Harrison has helped dozens of kids while working on the CSEC response team. She knows personally the trauma some of these kids are dealing with. We met her on a tour of the CSEC offices. What she told us took us by surprise. I am a survivor of child sexual assault.
4: I'm a survivor of adult sexual assault, and in between there, when I was in my 20s, we were, uh, my friend and I were exploited. For me, this was life. It was normalized from childhood. I don't know what happened. Um, Teachers are mandated reporters. I look back in hindsight, and absolutely there were red flags, and that just cycled into adulthood. and I'm getting through it, and I'm not saying it's easy. There's days where it is a battle and a half. It is a battle and a half, but there is hope, and I I don't know if it's like the proverbial tunnel with the light at the end of it. I never had that. For me, it was always this bridge, like a rickety bridge, and there was darkness and fog in it. But then I started telling myself, well, obviously the bridge hasn't fallen. It's attached to something at the end. I gotta just get across the bridge. And I'm here, I'm here now.
13: Exploitation happens where the money is. When I see people type Comic-Con or whatever, I see it coming to town, I'm automatically thinking about about that time of how it was. That was when our quotas went up, that was when it was busier, that's when we knew we were gonna be up for a couple of days just working.
12: events bring a lot of tourism and it can generate a larger demand um, for commercial sex in our city in our county.
10: The demand the people buying sex is what drives this criminal enterprise. If no one cared about buying sex there would be no need for a facilitator of sex there would be no need of a victim and so we really need to focus on the demand.
12: the sex buyers are blatant, they're bold in, in what they're, what it is that they're asking for and what they're wanting to do. I think he's close to trying to meet up.
7: So we're headed to the Claremont area, and from what the Human Trafficking Task Force undercover officers tell us, the suspect doesn't know the exact meetup location just yet which is pretty typical in their response so in their communication over text messaging they're communicating with this suspect saying meet us in the general area of claremont and then they're going to dial in a specific location so stand by now
1: we're waiting for him to go
15: out and gonna go up there and hang out in the bathroom and just be able to communicate what you you see
7: Okay, so at this point, we are at the park, which is the designated meeting location, and there are officers with the Human Trafficking Task Force stationed in various locations around the park to make this potential arrest, including someone to meet up with the suspect who is inside the restroom here at this park in Claremont. And it's kind of a nervous feeling, wondering when this person is going to pull up and what's going to happen. All right,
19: RS1 just confirmed he is on the way. Point during this. Can you, call and
7: see the... So about an hour later and the sex buyer was a no show here in Claremont. So we're pulling the plug on this operation. How busy is this task force?
12: We are swamped every day. We could do these operations on a daily basis and and we would get cases and arrests on a daily basis from, from this.
7: Law enforcement is also recognizing that girls aren't the only victims of sex trafficking. This was the first time the task force targeted sex buyers shopping for underage boys. It's hard enough to detect
11: um, victims of human trafficking that are girls. Uh, but boys and men, it's an even a higher level of shame and silence.
20: Boys are being preyed upon and, yeah, no one's looking. This all started when I was about 16, and uh, 17 is when it went haywire.
7: This is Kyler Doherty's first time speaking on camera about the abuse and exploitation that nearly killed him.
20: He was my boss, like he was my friend. Eventually I was drugged, and eventually I was raped, and he filmed it. If I did anything, he was gonna send this DVD to all my family. And eventually I, became a shell of a person, and I dropped out of school, I dropped, I I, I lost everything. And during that time, I was sold to hundreds, if not thousands of men, and across many, many states. And I wasn't the only one. I know of at least, there was at least 30 in my ring of boys that were being sold. I would say, honestly, 95% of everyone who hired me were straight married with children. It was always weird to me. It was like, these are the men who had the most to lose. They were lawyers, they were doctors. And a lot of people say like, why didn't you run? Why didn't you speak out? And a lot of it was fear. As I, like, everything I did, there was like a gun to my mom's head. When I was working with Undercover Detectives, I was going out into our gay community and speaking and interviewing so many gay men. And one of the questions I was asking them was, when you were a teenager, were you ever preyed upon or were you ever propositioned for money? And every single one said yes. I speak at (laughs) middle schools, high schools, um, all across San Diego, and uh, I speak nationally.
7: But you do it for a reason.
20: Yeah, I do it because it's saving lives. It took me about eight years to even accept what happened to me, and then it took another two years of going to psychiatric help to like really identify what really happened to me, and saying I was a victim of sex trafficking.
7: So we're in the car with one of the officers, one of the undercover officers with the human trafficking task force and we're headed to a location where someone has agreed to buy someone for sex. We don't know all of the details yet.
21: All I know is that uh, an individual has agreed to do a sex act for money and he will be uh, expecting to show up at a location here soon.
7: So we're here in the hotel parking lot. It is 10.20 on a Friday, and we are just waiting for the suspect to make contact with the undercover officer and then meet up here in this parking lot. So you're saying this is the busiest month you've ever had? Let's say in the past
21: two weeks, we have recovered a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, and 17-year-old.
7: Do you have enough officers?
21: Absolutely not. We're at about seven or eight detectives now. Um, when we could easily double or triple that number and have a full caseload. Alright, just got an update. Apparently he's out of the ATM and he's four minutes away. Hey, let me get a little closer and I'll park and then, uh, we can have the takedown team roll in. Alright, we got eyes on. let me, uh, when he says he's here, we'll have the takedown team go make contact. He's in cuffs, I'm gonna let him out. And they're out.
7: Have you ever done this before?
14: Well, paying them. Okay. Yeah.
7: This is the first time engaging in a pay for sex yes. situation. Yes. Okay. And it's not for sex. Okay. A sex act, I guess yes. we could say. Yeah, yeah. A sex act. I have you considered the people who are out there selling themselves for sex, and the fact that there's a good chance that maybe they are doing that because they're being trafficked?
14: I never really thought of that. Like, mm-hmm. I never really thought of it that way.
7: Do you have any guilt about that? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah,
14: I guess, you know, like, now that it's like, it's like um, a slap in my face, you mm-hmm. know, so. I don't know. it's just, it's. I guess it's my unlucky day today. You know, I never really agreed before doing this. I'm always iffy about paying. You know, and and you're right. So you
7: have paid before?
14: No, no, no. I never. I've mm-hmm. never paid before. So I've never. I've never really agreed. Mm-hmm. You know.
7: You think people just don't understand this is going on?
14: People
21: have no idea it's happening in their backyards and everywhere around them.
7: And in the end, this would be sex buyer walks away. That's the law. He'll get a citation and have to appear in court for a misdemeanor charge, which will likely result in a fine. It is less
11: than a traffic ticket in many cases. It's a $200 fine. You don't really spend any time in jail. We're sending a message that this is really no big deal.
9: It's hard for me to rest and sleep well and focus when I don't know where my daughter is. Sometimes I'm driving and I see like homeless people or people walking, I'm like, is that my daughter?
7: We first met this father two years ago. He says his teenage daughter is caught in the life of sex trafficking. We're hiding his identity for his family's safety.
9: And I only just prayed that she's not being held against her will or like she's okay, that she's being fed.
7: He says his daughter met her alleged trafficker at her first job. She was 17, he was 26. Three months later, she quit her job, started distancing herself from her family, and eventually left home.
9: I actually called the guy. I'm like, You and I have to meet. Like, you know, I want to meet you. Let's go grab some coffee. And he's like, No, we're not. I don't need to have coffee with you.
7: Then he says he found pictures of his daughter advertised for sex online. That was two years ago. Now they rarely talk.
10: Internet, social media, Snapchats, you know, those types of things um, are the norm uh, for how our youth communicate, how they share of themselves, Uh, which, right, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's only when it starts to fall into the wrong hands.
0: Be aware of what your kids are doing. Your child does not have to leave their room to be exploited.
9: Whether it's like on social media, from Instagram to you know Snapchat to whatever is going on out there, and it's like who's actually protecting our children?
7: During our investigation, a critical development news this father had been waiting years to hear. His daughter's alleged trafficker was arrested. The court is going to remand
21: them. No hiding anything, right? No filters.
7: Oh, my gosh. San Diego's Human Trafficking Task Force says every minute there are new posts of sex for sale online. And some of those people for sale are children.
21: There's no hesitation on what's going on here.
7: It's clear they're selling sex.
21: Absolutely clear. In every title, it almost says exactly what they want to do.
7: After stay-at-home orders were issued during the pandemic, reports of internet crimes against children increased dramatically across the nation and here in San Diego.
10: We certainly at the task force see a lot of cases where the victims have met their traffickers online and kids don't realize who they're speaking to on the other end uh, of the computer. They have no idea. You know, they think that they're you know, speaking to maybe another 17 year old boy or something like that, that's how these traffickers portray themselves. Sometimes in the grooming process, there'll be um, exchanges of sexed messages. Hey girl, I think you are so beautiful. You're so sexy. Can you videotape yourself maybe doing this, that or the other? And because she is interested in this person, Um, and you know, she thinks, okay, maybe, you know, this is what we do. This is how we flirt nowadays. If you will, those sex messages, those videos then become blackmail. The federal, um, agents call it sextortion. If you don't do this for me, I am going to put this out to everybody on the internet. And once it's out, it's out.
7: We looked at court records for every San Diego County trafficking prosecution in the last five years and found case after case that started with online grooming on Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook.
5: I think the desire for validation is so strong that if they're not getting it from their immediate family and friends, they're seeking it from the general public.
7: Roger Martin is a former Qualcomm executive and a father. In 2019, he learned traffickers had a new way to find their victims.
5: It wasn't face-to-face in malls anymore, it wasn't on the street anymore, it was online. And that the biggest recruiting ground online were Facebook and Instagram, particularly Instagram for teens. So I started talking to friends that I'd worked with and I asked if they would help build something, maybe a prototype that uh, would prove out whether we could actually identify you know, young girls at risk before a predator did. His nonprofit,
7: Humans Against Trafficking, developed what they call an Instagram crawler, artificial intelligence programmed to scan Instagram for highly specific predictive information, pictures, hashtags, and comments that might attract a predator. It's like a cyber bloodhound.
5: By using several examples, we could say, here's a bunch of examples of what we're looking for. Now you've got the scent. Go out and find me more kids who are like this. And and of course it can do it at, at vast scale, much faster than a person could do. Here's another one that jumps out at me.
7: Um now why this girl?
5: Because she's clearly amateur, she's not a professional model. She's taking photos that are trying to highlight her beauty and solicit feedback that she's beautiful. That's what she's looking for. Here she has, you know, a photo that's in in her night clothing, right? In her in her PJs, if you want to call it that, her underwear and her in her top.
7: And there's so many of them
5: oh yes there's thousands and tens of thousands here's this young man is asking her if she has a venmo he's basically suggesting to her that if you have a venmo i'll send you money in return for photos or for video or something like that here's a predatory approach i'm looking for a baby girl to spoil silly and take around the world on my business you know dm if you're interested and if you can click on this guy he's He's a guy who's looking for young girls, right? Well, she's
7: 17 and he is clearly middle-aged. This is so eye-opening.
5: We've scraped, we've crawled and looked at and analyzed about 2 million um, profiles. About 60,000 out of the 2 million um, look very strongly uh, at risk.
7: Clearly the number is so overwhelming that you couldn't reach out to all of them, but tell me a little bit about what kind of approach you're thinking might be the solution to interrupt that and educate them in a meaningful way.
5: The expectation is that if we identify them before the trafficker can, we might be able to reach them with some educational material that would at least Teach them a little bit about how this online recruiting and online grooming works.
7: Human trafficking is such an epidemic right now, and it's our job to bring awareness. They'll connect with people identified as being at risk through an outreach campaign they've created called Models Against Trafficking.
6: I am hashtag
7: a safe model. Roger and his colleague Doug Hecht have developed an app for parents called Radley. It scans a child's profile for risky photos, comments, or hashtags.
5: We're not trying to create a monitoring platform to create an on or off decision. We don't want parents to think, that's not a good image, I'm shutting them down. We want to create a conversation platform, and we want to teach parents how to have that conversation with their children.
7: Especially now, as the online sex industry is surging, a recent study by MIT looked at COVID-19's impact on human trafficking. Researchers found websites that specialize in CAM models saw a significant increase in overall new signups, in some cases, as much as 75%. The study said participating in sites like these increases the potential likelihood that participants will become targets for grooming for human trafficking and other forms of exploitation. Some of the risk factors that make a child more vulnerable to sex trafficking are easy to identify. Foster kids, runaways and children with trouble at home or a history of sexual abuse but even a lack of supervision and parents who aren't present can put their children at risk
0: listening to your kids being aware of who their friends are uh, going through their phones don't leave their laptops and stuff in their room make them use it out in the open that's the only way you can do this your kids will be mad
7: oh well they'll be at home with you The average age a child is lured into sex trafficking in San Diego is 16. You can miss the warning signs and red flags if you don't know what to look for, like kids with two cell phones, unexplained cash or new clothes, using multiple dating apps, kids who have hotel key cards, mysterious tattoos, alienation from others, a much older girlfriend or boyfriend.
9: The guy was like nine years older than her
7: Your Honor, this is an unopposed request for a continuance. I mean, since we last talked, the alleged trafficker, the boyfriend, was arrested. We met up with the father again and his friend, Dan DeSager, who works with sex trafficking survivors in San Diego. What was it like to get that news and how did you get it?
9: I was so thankful. I was, like, really happy because it, it was just a matter of time. You know, you can only do wrong for so long before it catches up to you.
7: But after all of that, his daughter refused help from Sex Trafficking Survivor Services. Soon after his arrest, we found this post on Facebook. Advertising a Facebook fundraiser she created for her alleged traffickers' bail money. Do you want to see the social media? Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a GoFundMe that she set up for him.
9: Yeah, that's how, like, twisted up she is.
7: Even though the charges name her as the victim, she told us he's been wrongfully accused. Good morning, Your Honor. Deputy Public Defender Janara Crenshaw on behalf of Mr. President of um, custody to my left. The next day, the alleged trafficker was in court. She was there too. Even though the man is an adult, we are not identifying him to protect the alleged victim. She told us off camera that the suspected trafficker is her boyfriend and that her father is controlling and their relationship is strained.
9: The hardest thing for me is to love her um, unconditionally from a
7: distance. The accused trafficker posted bail and is now awaiting trial. This father is still hopeful his daughter will one day come home.
9: My advice is to tell your daughters and your sons for that matter, praise them, acknowledge them, love them, and having those tough conversations, having those uncomfortable conversations.
18: The number one influencer of young men and young women are the rappers. They're walking around with headsets in their ear all day. That is a form of brainwashing. Like this, but hoes and tricks. But hoes and tricks. Like that's a repeat. That's the chorus. And I'm just repeating this. I'm 11. Why? It was not hard for a person to transition into being a pimp. You've been told a woman was worthless and the cost applied to her your whole life.
0: If the money wasn't out there, would these women be out there? No. If the money wasn't out there, would be pimps putting women out there? No.
7: So what do you do? You follow the money. Since we began this investigation, everyone we talked to, from survivors to advocates, sex buyers, even former traffickers, say you can't have a conversation about sex trafficking without talking about our sexualized society. Is that just an excuse? Or is our culture at least partly to blame? And I've been doing this for 17 years. I've had kids
0: in juvenile hall say, when I grow up, I want to be a porn star. That's because it's been normalized.
19: There's like a duality uh, for me, uh, you know, during the day, hey, that's Paul, he's a nice guy, uh, but at night, you know, I'm a predator, I'm a sexual predator. I'm, if, I, if, if I'm not uh, acting out on my own, masturbating and watching porn or magazines or whatever, I'm going out, I'm on the, I'm on the hunt, I'm looking for something. That's just the way that it was.
7: Paul agreed to share his story if we don't show his face. On this night, he's speaking to a group of men at the prostitution impact panel. The class is essentially a traffic school for convicted sex buyers, organized by the San Diego City Attorney's Office. Since 2011, more than 1,100 people have been arrested for solicitation in San Diego County. In many cases, they can take this three-hour class, pay a fine, and have their record reduced to disturbing the peace. The room is small, the audience diverse. There's a Spanish translator for some of the attendees.
19: I wasn't interested in having a relationship. I was interested in having sex.
7: It was awkward and uncomfortable for me being only one of a few women in the room. What do you feel like people aren't understanding about this issue or don't understand about sex buyers?
19: I'm going to say it. Uh, They're not bad people. They have a compulsion that drives them to do something and the top of the line is is purchasing other people for for sex.
0: They don't have a clue until they come to our class because most of them think that it's a a victimless crime. You know, I'm giving her money because she's running this job and she can go and pay her bills so it's okay. They don't think about this woman being,
7: being trafficked by a pimp that won't let her eat or sleep until she has her quota. Kathy Hardy helped develop this program. She has her own scars from a painful past. There is some act of desperation that
0: makes us go out and do this because nobody grows up and says, I wanna be a prostitute one day. I was born and raised in Texas. I was in the Marine Corps at one point. I was addicted to drugs because I had a 25 year drug and alcohol addiction. I committed my first act of prostitution because I needed a fix. Pimps would use your drug addiction against you to recruit you. I'm not ashamed anymore of what I've gone through because I have made it my life's task to Help those that have
7: been victimized by the same occurrences in their life. That includes outreach at jails, juvenile halls, and group homes, trying to help survivors rebuild their lives and raise awareness in her community. And if I can save one person, one man, one woman, one child, then
0: it's been a great day. It's been a great day.
7: But Kathy constantly confronts a culture that fuels the market for sex buying.
0: Today, in our society, we have uh, used the word pimp very, very loosely. Pimp my ride. I'm going to pimp your backyard party. And they use that as being a glamorous thing.
18: The music glamorizes uh, pimps, holes, money, drugs and things like that
7: we heard a similar message from this man James Gary he's serving a 10-year prison sentence for sex trafficking minors
18: they make it seem fun and yeah look it looks nice on TV they don't show the prison bars on TV they don't show the uh, the cells with bunk beds in them you know they don't show you when uh when you're hungry and calling collect hoping somebody picks up because your stomach is touching your ribs you know they don't they don't show that part i'm here to tell you it is it's real this is this is the other side of that they glamorize it they make bad look good this is what it is
1: this is what it is
7: and the other cultural influence so pornography i
6: think it's a combination of pornography and in the inter- internet access in general males in particular are seeing pornography for the first time at 10 or 11 years old. And so we already see kiddos who are engaging with sexual material who are not in a space of sexual maturation to really know what they're looking at. It's rewiring things in very strange ways. They don't have the ability to psychologically connect in an intimate way in a sexual encounter because of the way they've trained their brain to respond to sexual stimuli on a TV screen or on a phone, as an example.
19: From a young age, it, it, it actually, um twisted my, my concept of, of relationships, uh, of, of, of what sex is.
7: And now it's available on everybody's digital device.
19: I, you are three clicks away from an orgasm, no matter what device you pick up.
6: Trafficking is a symptom. It's an uh, like a fever, right? A fever is a sign of an infection, and trafficking is a symptom of a larger
7: cultural and systemic issue that we have as a whole. Armand King and Paul say their days of pimping and sex buying are over, and now they have a responsibility to be part of the solution. Do you feel bad about what you did?
18: 100 percent. I do. I'll spend the rest of my life right in my wrongs or striving to. We as adults got to take the lead. We cannot wait for the kids to just magically come to our level,
19: go to theirs.
7: And is that your mission? That's my from mission. here on out.
19: That's, that's my life. If I do not share this with people who need this, I'm doing a disservice.
1: If you could let the pain of the past
7: go. Some artists are also recognizing the need for a pop culture shift. Drew Shirley is the lead guitarist of Switchfoot, a Grammy award winning alternative rock band here in San Diego. He says he's launching a movement.
3: There's a
22: famous quote that says, you can have the laws of a country. Give me the songs and I can change a
7: nation. Drew is part of a group that calls itself Humans Against Trafficking, and he's calling other artists to action.
3: We can change society. We can impact culture. We can actually change and create a movement. And I think that artists that grasp that have an incredible power that can be used for good or evil and I think that um, I want to be a spokesman for using it for good.
17: I'm looking for the kids but I can't see because they're invisible. Critical conditions what I've heard about is tragic. Man, this globe is backed up because we're stuck in human traffic.
22: I'm Namas from Oceanside, California and I'm a hip-hop recording artist.
17: She's drowning in a sea full of violence. So listen to me as I speak on behalf of the silenced. And I'm going to fight because it's feeling infinite. Slavery hasn't ended. It's just manifested different.
7: Namas is a socially conscious rapper who has done outreach work across the country with the Bay Area anti-trafficking group Not For Sale, trying to educate the public on the scale of the problem. If I just
1: make
22: it of the I wanted to tell a story. That was going to be something that people could relate to here. To help people move from this idea of human trafficking is just an issue that's happening in Laos or Cambodia or Thailand or whatever. And think like, no, this happens here. This could happen to somebody that you know. Like, this could be your daughter you get past
17: it I can just that could be anything I could be free that could be anyone I could be me I could be viewed as a person and not as a service you I could be seen if I could just make it about of this traffic I could just forget it I'm getting about of this traffic I'm gonna run I'm gonna...
22: the more people start to dig into this issue the deeper that they dig it's gonna become more and more disheartening the further you go down the darker the hole gets. And so I would just want to encourage people, don't let don't let that detour you. Um, don't let that push you to quitting because you feel like you can't handle it all. No one is expecting you to fix everything. Um but do something.
17: This path he was trapping she trapped in trafficking. When disaster, time to write a new chapter.
6: There are not enough resources in San Diego, there are not enough resources across the country, and it's a very sad part of my job.
7: You guys live it, because each of you are in the trenches of it. Right. It is hard. We wanted to know what's working and what's not when it comes to support for sex trafficking survivors. So we sat down with leaders from 10 agencies in San Diego County to find out. What is it that you feel like people just aren't understanding? A majority of, of San Diegans think, oh, human trafficking
13: is happening elsewhere. Traffickers at times can spot out someone who has a lot of vulnerabilities that are going on. You know, I was that vulnerable young woman at
7: 12 and 13 years of age that grew up on Camp Pendleton and was solicited by Marines on a daily basis. It's. Right in front of us. It touches every socio-economic group too. Mm-hmm. These services are needed round the clock, including during our discussion. We end up. Can we hit
14: pause real quick? First, the emergency phone. Hey, That's yeah. the emergency
7: phone.
4: Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. oh. Okay. From three to midnight.
7: Okay. Do you mind if we follow up yeah. with your phone call? Um, was that someone needing help, or can you it's share? It's the FBI. Needed-
4: When you do the emergency response, um, you get calls from the FBI, you get calls from people, you know, that their hotline in in Washington gives them our number. So you're on call 24-7. 24-7. And we're the point of contact for the National Human
6: Trafficking Hotline since 2004. Last month we had six women in our home, one in each different decade. So we had a teenager, somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 61. She has been trafficked since she was 11 years old.
7: People do not understand that the victim's story does not end at, you know, leaving the life
10: or a, being um, pulled out of the life.
7: That's when support services come in to begin a survivor's healing. Some of these women are survivors, sharing stories of the people they've dedicated their lives to helping. I asked her what was on her
8: mind and she said, you know, I fell into the ditch so hard. And it was even harder to climb out. But now that I'm out, I know that I can never go back. Their work gives them a unique
7: perspective on this complex issue. As gut-wrenching as it is, you know, exploiters were kids at one point too, right? So so what have they gone through that has them actually get into the lifestyle as well? Like James Gary, who will forever live with the label convicted sex trafficker.
18: I'm not going to cry a river about the things that happened to me.
7: Gary was convicted in 2016 of sex trafficking two young girls. From prison, he told us he's had time to reflect and hopes others will learn from his mistakes.
18: Anyone who loves you is not going to ask you to do anything that will, you know, will hurt you. And um, I had a very... Distorted view you know I was uh I, I was I was hurt I haven't had any healthy relationships I didn't know how to give that to someone else I didn't give it much thought listening to me now you know better.
7: Many experts on this issue say San Diego County is a national leader in the fight against sex trafficking. But in 2019, the county's grand jury said it is critically lacking in shelter beds for children and adults trying to escape their traffickers.
9: It's probably the most frustrating part of this is the lack of capacity.
16: Human trafficked kids need a program that is focused on them because what's happening right now is they're being put into different residential treatment homes that care for um, SED kids, severely emotionally disturbed kids or other kids like that residential treatment and it's causing a lot of problems. But those programs require a
7: state license and getting a state license is a long and challenging process.
16: $95,000 has gone into maintaining this home That I have to keep empty until I'm licensed. And I have to have the home to go through the licensing process. And so I'm in this catch-22 of, you know, bleeding out money for a home that can't be used.
7: After our interview and nearly two and a half years of the state licensing process, the Hidden Treasures Foundation finally opened its doors in 2020. There's also education and prevention programs. A state law passed in 2018 requires sex trafficking education in public schools. All right, SCPA students. San Diego County has more than 238,000 students to reach, and kids are starting to get the message. (laughs) what you might expect when students come into the auditorium to see a presentation, but I don't know that they're really prepared for what they're about to see. they are going to see real-life simulations acted out by student actors. This is a student written and produced presentation in collaboration with the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force. I have to tell you as a mom it makes me a little nervous because I think what they're about to see is going to be really powerful.
5: So. You want to be my girlfriend now, or what?
4: Yeah, I guess.
5: So, you ready? Yes. Send me a pic, yeah?
13: Of what?
5: Anything. But to be honest, I was thinking of something more.
4: (laughs) What? Oh, I'm shy.
5: Don't be, girl. You send one, I send one. I'm your boyfriend. Who would I show? I won't even save it. You're right. Come on. You don't want me to airdrop your nudes to the whole school, do you?
7: How do you feel about being game changers in a dialogue of a very heavy topic that what you did has the potential to change a situation and even save a life?
3: That that is, wow. That's...
1: It's
4: important. pretty mind-blowing. It was really, like, eye-opening and it helped us a lot to write the play.
1: We wrote it as, as if we were to be talking,
4: not as if, like not in fake language, you know? We wrote it how a normal 16, and 17-year-old would speak yeah, I mean, in I our think, times. I think
6: that's why they asked us to write it.
20: When you laugh, you know what's happening because you're uncomfortable. And talking about things like this doesn't make you feel in like a
5: safe space. We
7: thought that the laughter was because they were uncomfortable. Yeah. It's or- a very uncomfortable topic it's very vulnerable. We don't want to just make people feel uncomfortable and drag them down. We want to leave them with a sense of look around. Don't underestimate the platform that you have to potentially influence this movement for good.
5: There's a lot of things you can do even if you're even if your child's not in trouble, even if even if your child's doing everything perfectly. You can still make an impact in the child next door.
0: Talk to your children about this. You talk to them about other surface things. Talk to them about things that count.
8: It starts with me in my home, it starts with you in your home, it starts with our children having those deep conversations.
4: changed my life when one person stood up and said I believe you because no one had done that before and and I didn't believe in myself so I needed someone to believe in me
20: it is very hard there's a lot of days I don't want to go do it I don't want to speak to hundreds of people or speak at a hospital but almost every single time, pretty much every week, we have someone who is self-identifying.
9: My big goal right now is to get my daughter out of that world and help as many people not go to that world and also to pull people out of that
21: world, you know, no matter where they are.
13: takes everyone in the community. If we just take one moment out of our day to open up our hearts to want to make a difference in even just one person's day every day,
7: like we could change the world that way. If you want to help, you can be part of the solution. Have a
14: conversation. Get involved. Know the risk factors and warning signs.
5: And if you or someone you know is a victim of trafficking, call the hotline.
7: There is hope and people who are ready to help you recover what's been stolen.